pushing buttons and pulling triggers. This is Gun Funny. Welcome to Gun Funny, episode 253. Today I'm going to chat with Rhonda Mary, discuss the latest development on the challenges to the bump stock ban, highlight a new stock from Valiant Dynamics, and talk about airport restrooms that may reveal a lot more than people expect. And that was Peaches in the background because she just wanted to say hi. I'm your host, Ava Flannell. Rhonda, how are you doing today? I am doing well. How about you? Thank you for having me. Of course. Of course. I actually, I've been wanting to get you on the show for a while now. So I'm glad that we were finally able to connect and make this work. As far as how I'm doing, I think I'm doing okay. I don't know. It depends on the hour, if we're being honest. But this hour, I think I'm doing okay. (laughs) At least for, you know, the interview. Yeah, exactly. Got to keep it together, right? (laughs) (laughs) All right. So before we start talking about everything that you do, Real quick, let's hear from Smith & Wesson. If you're looking for a good, affordable AR, definitely check out Smith & Wesson's MMP15 Volunteer Series. The Volunteer Series is named for their headquarters in Tennessee, which is the volunteer estate, and they have a bunch of different options to choose from with great options like BCM Gunfighter, Forens, B5 Grips, which seem to be on a lot of guns nowadays, and stocks. They also have decked out DMR version with like 20-inch barrel, the B5 Soap Mod stock, and a 15-inch free-floated aluminum M-Lock Forend. They even have the California version if you guys are stuck in California. MSRP on these range from $1,049 to $1,599, depending on the version. Definitely check those out at smith-wesson.com. Learn the things you never knew on Deconstructing the Industry. Rhonda, for listeners who may not be familiar with what it is that you do in the industry, can you just give us a little bit of background and kind of fill us in? Yes. So my name is Rhonda Mary, and I am a YouTuber, political commentator, and a Second Amendment advocate. I actually started as a YouTuber first. So I did that for a couple of years. And as I was learning more about American history, like the Constitution and civics and all these other things, and taking a deeper dive and seeing what was happening in the news media and how sometimes those things weren't actually adding up, I was discussing those things and, you know, my mind was just opening to all these different things and I just simultaneously after having my YouTube channel for a couple of years ended up being in a road rage incident where the reporting officer actually told me that I needed to be armed and so after that I went and got armed and as I started learning more about it I was like oh well I have to tell other people about this and that's what I started doing and People were really, really receptive to it. And so it's created some great opportunities for me. I've been able to network and I've been able to teach and inspire people all across the country and the world, actually. 
Wow, that's really impressive. Okay, going back. So what was your YouTube channel? What was the initial goal for it? What were you talking about history? So the initial thing was breaking down the the news. And, you know, I kept seeing Trump on TV talking about fake news this and fake news that. And I'm thinking, this guy just can't be saying this to say this. <laughs> like, it has to be a little bit more to this. Yeah. And so I started deep diving in these stories and I would gasp because I would be like, it's no way that this is the truth. But this is what they're telling us on TV. And I would find it so outlandish, even some of the stories that they would ignore. And I would rush to tell people and people would just be blown away. I would be teaching people new things. So it was mostly started off as talking about political and social issues. Wow. Um, kind of breaking those down and specifically talking about them from a more urban perspective. Uh-huh. And then tell me about this road rage incident. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So it was one day. It was a Sunday morning. I was headed to meet my friend girls for brunch. And I was uh, in the fast lane in a 70 mile per hour lane. And I was actually going about 75. And a guy behind me decided that I wasn't going fast enough for him. And so he began to rear the back of my car trying to push me off the highway as I was going these high speeds. And at some point in the interaction, both of us did end up pulling over and me being completely naive at the time. I am completely in condition white. Like I have no, I'm not even thinking of the full implications of the the situation I was just in and I pulled over at the same time as him and he came up to my window and was berating and cursing me and I mean just acting completely crazy and he was so close I could see it was an older gentleman and I could see the ring around his eyes and I just remember this just distinct look in his eyes and I just kept thinking like if something happens to me on the side of this road like who would even know the full story? Who would tell my parents and my mm-hmm. loved ones? It was just a surreal moment for me. And after all of that happening for the responding officer, who also happened to be a young black woman to report to the scene and tell me like, why aren't you armed? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, it's like a light bulb went off. It's like, what? Like, like me, like I could do that. Like I could just be armed, you know, because how that had always been presented to me is that firearms were for gangsters, white supremacists, school shooters. You know, I'd never really seen it packaged or presented to my demographics. So it's never even, I mean, as I had started, you know, my YouTube career, I would say I was more open to it, but it was never like a pressing issue. It was never, it was like, hmm, okay, well, you know, that is one of our rights and okay, you know, but it it wasn't like a thought for me, like Mm -hmm. a huge thought for me. And after that, I just was like, yeah, I I think that's something I want to do. I'm open to it now. I feel like I'm ready for it now. And so that's pretty much how that went. Freaking crazy. I, Yeah, I couldn't even imagine if that happened to me. I mean, one, if someone was like physically like bumping the back of my car, I think I would have a really hard time like not losing my shit for being honest. 
Yeah, absolutely. It was a very scary situation. And fortunate enough for me, I made it to see out of that situation. Mm-hmm. I my story to inspire a lot of other women. But also I could see so many mistakes now after doing training. Yeah. I see so many mistakes I made to jeopardize my life. And I can like not make those mistakes again or or hopefully help other women not make the same mistakes that I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've had quite a few people similar, like African-Americans who grew up thinking like guns were it's and it's it's really hard for me to fathom. But like, you know, people just grew up thinking like, oh, guns aren't really part of my thing. Like they either see right. it's police officers, gangsters, you know, but it's not like they see people within the community or if they do, it's like people that are misusing guns. Right. And that's so interesting to me. From the news stories to, I mean, Hollywood. Yeah. That's that's usually the narrative. You don't see just regular everyday citizens with firearms. And even if you do, they're usually like portrayed to be like overreacting or, you know, they're a person that's like causing trouble or something like that. It's just not shown in a very responsible regard. Mm-hmm. How has your channel been received considering that you're definitely not shying away from like some of these tough topics? Especially mm-hmm. when, you know, obviously you're basically calling out a lot of these news sources, which, you know, a lot of people, I think, especially in the gun industry, are pretty open to like they see through it. But a lot of people don't. Initially, I had a really big response to what I was doing. I had a lot of support and I got some hate as well, but I had a lot of support over time. Actually, I started getting like banned, not banned. I should say more censored on YouTube Mm -hmm. because initially when I started my YouTube, you would see my videos pop up. If you would like go to Google, you would see the links to my videos popping up right beside like CNN and MSNBC news stories. And not too long after that, I started getting censored heavily. And I'm not just saying like, you know, I'm just so special, like alone in that. I think it was a lot of YouTubers that this was happening to at the time. Unfortunately, after that, I was somewhat a little bit discouraged about it, honestly, because it kind of sucks to put so much time and effort into something and see it being manipulated, not because of your own, you know, your own reasons. And so after that, I started moving a lot of my attention over to my Instagram. So I still do my YouTube content, but I I haven't been as heavily focused on it, but I I do want to get kind of back on the right track. Yeah. Um, with how I was before. Mm-hmm. Which I could understand because a lot of work goes into a YouTube video. And the worst thing, I mean, my YouTube channel, I don't know, I think maybe I have like 30,000 subscribers or something. And I don't remember when I started it, but it's like my least favorite thing to do because it takes so much effort okay. to make a video. And even just the other day, I got a new cameraman and I found it so much easier just to record with my phone than using all this like expensive camera equipment that most of the time doesn't even freaking work. And the audio still sounds (laughs) like crap. I'm like, screw it. (laughs) Just use my iPhone. Well, he recorded it vertically instead of horizontally. And I was like, no, no, now it's ruined. (laughs) 
And then on top of that, so it's like hard enough, but then on top of that, when social media is shadow banning a lot of content creators because they're speaking the truth or their views don't align with their agenda, then yeah, it's hard not to get discouraged. It's it's so hard. And a lot of people, you know, on the outside looking in, they'll think, oh, you just sit in front of a camera and talk and it's the easiest thing right. to do. But in a lot of ways, I mean, we are warriors for some of the things we're willing to say in a position mm-hmm. That we're willing to take. And honestly, it can take a toll on you yes. mentally. And so sometimes I just need like a breather because even giving the world so much of your thoughts, like just like just think about that. Like these inner kind of sometimes very personal things, especially when, like you said, they don't align with the mainstream agenda. Mm-hmm you always have to be willing to take what people are going to say back. Yeah. You know, how people are going to feel about it, how people are going to treat you. You say your opinion, they act like you aren't even supposed to have one. Mm -hmm. And just some of the awful things that people can say and sometimes even try to do, Mm -hmm. you know, luckily I've been fortunate enough to kind of skirt some of this, but I've had death threats and, you know, just very awful things said to me. Mm-hmm. But some of the YouTubers that have been doxxed that have had the police, like the different, um, yeah, uh, not the the bomb squads. What, yeah, uh, you I know. know what I'm I know exactly about. what you're talking about. Yeah, where they the call police, and they, like, yep. Yeah. And it it's it like wears on you and it gets kind of crazy. And so for us that are in these spaces, it takes a lot of guts. Like I have people write me all the time, but even a guy just emailed me a couple of days ago and he's like, Rhonda, I just want to let you know that you are very appreciated. And it's so much I agree with that you say, but I I fear to to speak out. Wow. And that's sad. That's sad that we live in a time that has become so polarizing where people can't even say their thoughts. And what makes it even crazier is I'm not saying anything completely outlandish. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, my positions on a lot of these issues would be considered more moderate Mm -hmm. just 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, I actually completely agree. I'm going to take a quick break, talk about primary arms. Primary Arms has their new Hunter series of optics available to order. The Hunter series is specifically designed for the essentials, a good clear image and durable construction in a lightweight package that won't weigh you down in the field. They have four different versions to choose from, all with duplex reticles. There's the 3 to 9 by 40, the 3 to 9 by 50, 4 to 12 by 40, and 4 to 12 by 50. The 3 to 9 by 40 weighs only 15.3 ounces. The 4 to 12 by 50 weighs only 18.5 ounces. Not a lot of weight, like I said, which is good, you know, because obviously you're going to be carrying this rifle around with you quite a bit. They also have 80 MOA of adjustment, which is a lot more than most hunting scopes. So it's a lot more versatile for zeroing for that long range if you want. Prices on these start at $199.99. So $200 all the way up to, let's just say, $260. They're a great affordable option as well. 
Check these out, primerarms.com. Don't forget to use the code GUNFUNNY, all one word, so the code has changed. It is now GUNFUNNY, and you're going to get a free cleaning kit with every Primary Arms optic that you buy. Rhonda, tell me about your journey when you decided, all right, I'm going to get a gun and I'm going to arm myself. What was that like? (sighs) Okay. So my first mistake was that two weeks later, after the um, roll rage incident, I ended up going to a gun show and I was just so convinced that I wanted something small. Like mm-hmm. that was my biggest, like, yeah. I just want small, I just, you know, I, small, small, small. And I ended up getting a, is it a, a, a bodyguard? It's a oh, Smith and Wesson bodyguard. Yes, a Smith and Wesson bodyguard. Yeah. And that was my first firearm. And when I tell you now, like, I, I don't even <laughs> shoot it. And it's not, you know, it's not a, like a bad firearm or anything, but I think when you're learning, yeah. you, you don't yeah. really know, like, what to expect, what you really need, what fits your hands, what mm-hmm. would be the best to carry, and things like that. And so, fortunately enough, I had people around me and in my sphere especially because I was already doing YouTube and kind of already talking about politics people within my reach and my network that were like okay we like where you're going with this you know come train with me come shoot with me and come learn with me or I can help link you with this person and that person and so I was fortunate enough to have the network built up to be able to learn with some really great people Nice. So it's been good for me. And if I could help other women avoid some of the mistakes or pitfalls, yeah, especially for people that may not have the money to or not even have the desire to be a gun enthusiast, they mm-hmm. just want something to be able to defend their life if need be. Yeah, definitely. And for those listeners who are like, well, what's wrong with like a small gun? It's essentially what you bought was like a little pocket rocket. It's, you know, it's like tiny. I mean, it's not a bad gun, especially for concealment. If you've shot guns before, you're prepared for the recoil. But even though it's a 380, it is going to feel like it's just like flying out of your hands. It's snippy and it has a lot of recoil. Yeah. Yeah. So it's definitely not a fun gun. (laughs) And then even with the ammo, I like that with non-meal you're more likely to have access to, to non-meal. Yeah. I mean, that's just it. Especially when we saw how uh, when COVID first happened with the prices and even the accessibility to ammo was a little rough at that time. And so non-meal is just way easier to come by most of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's definitely a lot less expensive. Like you just, there's nothing else out there that, I mean, 22, but you're not going to use that really for self-defense unless it's an absolutely necessary but yeah i mean nine millimeter is also pretty inexpensive let's see so tell me about some of the stuff that you're working on now as far as because i thought i saw something on your social media that you were upset about and it was like i want to say it was like something that involved politics and minorities or firearms and minorities oh my gosh uh that could be anything i know i know i'm like well that's vague (laughs) But there was something that I recently saw that came up and this was is it about was it about the um, Clarence Thomas, the Supreme Court ruling? It could have been. I don't know. Lately, I'm like, ask me. I mean, this entire month, this past month has just been hell for me. <laughs> well, let's talk about that. So did you speak out about that? 
I just find it interesting that people like Joy Behar will go on national TV and say that the moment, you know, black people in this country get guns, you're going to see the gun laws change, you know, and she says it with such conviction. But then you have a black man that sits on the highest court in the land that says, you know what, Joy Behar, it is racist. And that's why we're going to go with in the exact opposite direction. And then, of course, she doesn't apply that. You bemoan racism, but you stand on the side of racism. Mm -hmm. It's ridiculous to me. It makes no sense. And the fact that more people aren't calling out the hypocrisy or talking about the absolutely significant ruling and the things that were written in there from the sexist and racist roots of gun control to talking about the Dred Scott case where a former enslaved man fought for his freedom went up against the American government and even mentioning that right like stating that landmark case in this landmark case and how historic that is and the implications of that mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. because that's who were stopped from having their full human constitutional and civil rights were former slaves mm-hmm. so for that to be mentioned in this landmark case or to talk about Isaiah Thomas, the former basketball player, and how his mom raised her children in Chicago, in a dangerous area of Chicago, and how they shouldn't have been given any less of their rights because of the area that they could afford to live in or because of those circumstances, right? She wanted to be able to protect her children while keeping them away from gang culture and keeping them protected and help steer them in the right direction and keeping their heads in the books. And so some of these things being eloquently mentioned throughout this landmark case by a black Supreme Court justice, I mean, this is absolutely historical. And the fact that more people aren't putting it in the proper context and people like Joy Behar want to talk about the racism, but don't want to call out the racist when we see what the governor of New York is doing, literally trying to go up against this Supreme Court ruling you know, it just it just says a lot about where we are. I think that there is a huge polarization on this issue when you look at half the country is constitutional carry now. Mm-hmm. So what does that say about the other half? Mm-hmm. When we start to look at the demographics, we start to look at the people, the, the biggest push for who is pushing this gun control. I mean, it's Democrats. Like, let's just say what it is and what's happening now don't get me wrong absolutely have some of these traitors in congress who has aligned with this quote unquote bipartisan you know that's what they'll call it when they're about to screw you mm-hmm. it's bipartisan gun control so we have some of those people as well and you know let's not forget that because we don't want to completely turn a blind eye or pretend that's not happening either but overwhelmingly when we look you know on state levels it is democrats who are pushing some of the strictest gun control Mm -hmm. yeah i know i couldn't agree more you're definitely taking quite the political stance just not just with your social media but you've also uh teamed up with the dc project correct 
Yes, I've met with them in the past and I've done, we went to DC. I think this was, oh my gosh, a year or two at this point. Forgive me, like my days are blurring together. (laughs) Right. You sound exactly like me. We're both just like, (laughs) uh... Sounds like we both right. just need a vacation. We need to go to like some tropical island, yeah. drinks in our hands, some like hot pool boys and just relax. I feel, like, I feel like since 2020, it's just been a blur. Right. That's kind of how yeah. I feel too. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. So yes, I've been out to DC with them. I've also been a part of the Ambassador Academy that is a lot of the ladies in, in the same Ty Muller that is over the DC project. She also runs the Ambassador Academy. And so, yes, really great organization going up against Moms Demand Action mm-hmm. and giving a voice to gun-toting women. They try to hide our narratives, but we won't let them do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think the the DC project is comprised of like a lot of really just, I mean, well put together women that I think also kind of goes against the narrative too. Like they look at all the women and they don't really fit the narrative of gun owners either, which kind of opens a lot of politicians' eyes as to like, hey, the gun owners is more than like your typical NRA member, like your typical older white male, you know? And even like I was saying earlier, that representation thing you know regardless of how people feel about it it is a thing it is a thing women will see you they will see me and they will be like oh wow like she can do that like that's possible like I want to learn I'm interested you know and the media knows that Mm -hmm. they know that That's why they always try to paint gun owners as old white men or veterans. Mm -hmm. Even this one recent news story that came out, it was this uh, middle-aged Black lady that was in traffic. She had her child in the back seat, and she was, I think, stopped at a red light, and somebody came up and tried to tug on her door. And she was prepping her firearm, and she told this story to the news, And the news went out of their way to say, oh, but she was a veteran. So she was prepared for this because of her training in the army. Okay, so are you saying, you know, other moms that are just everyday moms don't deserve that same right to Mm -hmm. protect their children because they haven't had military training? Like, so even when they somewhat push gun ownership in a favorable light, they still try to almost make it as if it's only for certain people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I'm going to take another quick break, talk about Mantis. Mantis has a great visible way to train with your farm. So the Laser Academy, it gives you everything that you need to practice with the smartphone app and improve your skills without the cost of ammo. The app gives you insights on what you're doing wrong, something that you can't just get by dry firing. And a lot of times, let's face it, you can't always get that at the range either. The standard kit comes with a choice of calibers for the laser, a carrying case, a tripod, and a phone holder. 
and Target stand holders for $150, or you can get the portable kit for only $99. The app has a bunch of drill options that you can run as well as fun practice options to make things interesting. It currently has 14 modes, including dual modes for friendly competition and more in development. Definitely check this out at mantisx.com. But you also have a podcast and it is called Hey Y'all Tuesdays, correct? Yes. I love it. I like the name. <laughs> so I'm assuming that it comes out on Tuesdays. Yes. <laughs> nice. And how long ago did you start that? Oh my gosh. Maybe, oh, it's been a few years now, but maybe after a year or two of um after a year or two of being on YouTube, I started it. And first of all, I was nervous to start my YouTube and I had a friend that was just encouraging me and pushing me to do it. And he's like, you just got to do it. You just got to go for it. And then I started doing YouTube for, I think a couple months to a year. And he's like, no, nah, you, you gotta do live format. Like you have to do that. You're, you know, not to discredit you, but I just think you're way better live mm-hmm. in the moment. And oh my gosh, I remember doing my first live video and you could <laughs> see me, you could physically see me shaking. <laughs> I'm just laughing because I'm like, man, you don't even have to finish your sentence. I already know exactly how you felt. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's like knowing you putting something in the world and you can't take it back. You can't, yeah. it, you can't crop it. It's just, I mean, it just is what it is. Is it still live every Tuesday? Yes. Yeah. I don't know. So the whole live thing kind of scares me because what if there's some sort of malfunction? I mean, we all know like technology loves to malfunction. It's great when it works, but how often does it actually really work? And it's just, I don't know. Or I'd probably have a guest on there where I'm like, what the hell is going on? Like, I mean, not to say, I mean, figure what I've done 253 episodes and I've never really had a guest where I was like, uh, but still I think the worst, I always think like worst case scenario And if I went live, like this is what's going to happen. And then I don't know if you include video, but I hate doing video on my podcast. One, because it reminds me that like most people are listening to the show. So I have to remind myself to be more descriptive as opposed to be like, yeah, look, and here's this gun that I'm holding up. And most people are like, well, cool, but it's a podcast and I'm not watching your video on YouTube. But I also, anytime the camera is on me and the computer, it just freaks me out. And even now this new company that I just became a partner of, so they want to do meetings twice a week. And I'll be honest, I hate it. I absolutely hate it. And now I'm like, well, I'm just going to keep my camera off because the camera on is way too distracting. And I just, I don't know. Okay. Sorry. I like didn't even let you answer, but is yours. (laughs) I was like, and I'm like, I just hate it. I hate it. In fact, let me bring up another complaint, but is yours, does it have video or is it just audio? So I do. So I upload it to YouTube with the video and then I also upload it to Spotify without. And so, yeah, I absolutely forget sometimes that I'm uploading it as audio as well. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, um, but I, I, I just go with it. Yeah. Know. And then what are some of the things that you guys cover? I'm assuming politics and stuff. Oh my gosh. Mostly all of the trending topics. Music. I talk about recently I'm talking about the uh, abortion, you know, Roe versus Wade. Mm-hmm. I've talked about gas prices and the like the rampant poverty. I talked a lot about COVID and the vaccines. Oh my goodness. Uh, a lot of stuff. I don't nice. 
I like it. Probably, I feel like I talk about everything but sports. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. The other day, I think maybe I've talked about sports on this podcast because the Avalanche, they just won the Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. And I'm in Colorado, so that was kind of cool. But it's not like, I mean, I started watching like the very, I don't know, the last like six games. So I was like kind of getting into it, but that was the gist of it. And then I did work for the Yankees in baseball, but I mean, I got the job because I wasn't really a fan. So they knew I probably wouldn't stalk the player. So that was a plus. But yeah, I have to agree. Like if somebody starts talking sports to me, I'm just like, huh, what? Like even I'm pretty sure when we were watching the hockey game, I'm like, all right, how many innings left are there? And I don't think there's innings. I think I'm pretty sure it's quarters. And even then I could be wrong. I have no idea. But I get you. If I do do talk about sports, it's literally like politics related. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. I'm kind of curious what your thoughts are on this going on in New York and California, where they're trying to defy the Bruin decision with a ton of like new laws, like banning carry almost everywhere, the social media history checking, and basically becoming the arbiter of, of what like, quote, good moral character is. What are your thoughts on that? Yes. So I think it's problematic. It's very re- reminiscent of when they used to have literacy testing for certain demographics of people to vote like who gets to be the judge of who is of good and moral moral character Mm. if a crime is not committed there is no crime committed and it makes me very weary of will this be used in a political way Mm -hmm. it makes me very concerned about that because we've recently seen where you know, quote unquote, anti-vaxxers and also people that are concerned about what their children are learning in these schools have been painted to be alt-right. Yeah. Have been painted to be bad people, have been painted to be possibly a violent. Mm-hmm. And so I absolutely have concerns about that. I do not think it's a good move. I do not think that big tech is on the side of the everyday people. And I just have concerns that they would absolutely go overboard Yeah, with that. Yeah, I agree. All right, wrapping up, is there any future plans that you can share with us? Oh, wow. Right now, I am working on projects to... I want to help make it a little easier for women who want to be armed and have no clue where to start. Mm -hmm. And so information that'll help that transition be a little bit easier. Talking about some of the mistakes I made, like I talked to you guys about when I purchased my first firearm and some things I could have done better. Mm -hmm. Talking about that road rage incident that I was in and things I could have done better. Mm -hmm. And so just really things I've learned along the way about being a safe and responsible gun owner and helping some women avoiding pitfalls, even, you know, as wasting money on products that they may never use or end up liking uh, something better. Safety aspects as for storage, particularly when you have children and things like this. And so helping people find, you know, one way to get directly to that information and kind of like the, where do I start? Yeah, I like that. And I think that that's actually a really great way to definitely get more women involved too and make them 
you know, sort of like demystify a lot of the issues that they might have thought that they'd be facing or I guess just even just make the whole process just a little bit more seamless, you know? Yes. I like that. And we definitely need more women. I know that that's obviously like the fastest growing like sector in the gun industry, but still, I still think that we have such a long way to go. We do. We do. And we have to make it known. Like we can't let people forget about because they'll try to pretend it's not happening. They'll try to pretend that 40% of new gun owners aren't women. They'll try to just be really quiet Mm -hmm. and hush hush about it. And we have to be loud and let people know. And we also have to make sure that people in the gun industry are prepared to accommodate these new gun owners and make them feel comfortable and make sure that we keep them on our team. Because what we don't want, we don't want these women to come into this open-minded and then have bad experiences. We don't want them to be hey pretty lady take this pink revolver and that's not what she actually needs and then that discourages her and she ends up throwing it in the drawer or she doesn't really know how to use it and then the next thing you know she's talking to her friends negatively mm-hmm. and that being a reflection on you know the gun industry so if we can help avoid you know some of these pitfalls even women sometimes being bashed about the guns that we do end up choosing or the ways we decide to carry i think these things are very personal mm-hmm. and i think that overall we should make sure women are safe yeah we should make sure they are safe and comfortable a lot of people in the gun community can be brash can come off as know-it-alls it could come off as very this tight-knit cool kid club that like you're not invited if you don't know x y and z Mm -hmm. you know and so remembering that all of us were beginners once and what makes it really really easy for me and a really easy transition for me is that this is a more recent journey for me as opposed to people that are veterans as opposed to well my granddaddy taught me how to shoot in our backyard in 1942, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that gives me a little bit different of an insight into maybe some of the things that people uh, may be facing as new gun owners. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. For people who want to follow you on social media or tune into your podcast, where can they find you? You can find me on Spotify and YouTube, Rhonda Mary. I'm on Instagram where I actually, I would say post the most and I'm taking a little bit more advantage of that uh, platform on Instagram, Rhonda underscore Mary. And I'm on Twitter. I am Rhonda Mary. So it's some version of Rhonda Mary. Just look mm-hmm. for that. Some of these platforms I've had to start over again. So I had to tweak the name a little bit. Right. <laughs> but some, some form of Rhonda Mary, type that in and you'll find me. Okay, perfect. All right, moving forward, Caldwell. One of the products Caldwell is probably most known for is their lead sleds. They're a great tool if you really want to confirm a good precision zero on a rifle. They do this by having a solid frame construction that supports both ends of the rifle and it weighs down with bags of lead to completely absorb the recoil so that the gun doesn't move at all. Really, all you have to do is adjust it so that the crosshairs are on the target, squeeze the trigger, and obviously make adjustments moving forward. 
they have lots of different versions of the lead sled to choose from, but they start at $109.99. Check these out at caldwellshooting.com. Don't forget to use the code GUNFUNNY10, all one word. That's going to get you 10% off your entire order. Politics. What is going on in the world today? It's political AF. Today in politics, the Fifth Circuit to rehear bump stock bans. Rhonda, did you hear about this? Uh, I think I heard about it a couple of days ago. I haven't deep dived into it. Yeah, basically straight on the heels of the Bruin decision in SCOTUS, the U.S. Fifth Circuit has agreed to a rare in bonk hearing of a challenge to the ATF and Trump administration's bump stock ban. Last October, a three-judge panel of the Fifth Circuit upheld the ban, saying ATF's, quote, reinterpretation of the definition of machine guns as illegal NFA items was the best interpretation of the statute, in spite of very clear language of written law that proves it doesn't. The unanimous decision came from three Clinton and Obama appointees to the court. The new embank hearing will be before the entire 17-judge panel, and 12 of the judges were appointed by conservatives. Usually when an embank hearing is granted, it means the court wants another chance to hear the case because it's an important issue. In 2021, only eight of 186 embank petitions were granted. This is definitely a great sign that the panel sees mistakes were made. The first time that they heard the case, Michael Cargill, the plaintiff, surrendered two bump stocks to the ATF after the rule change and sued the government seeking an injunction against the ban and the return of his property. The case will consider two key issues. Does the definition of machine guns unambiguously include bump stocks? And if the statute is ambiguous, is ATF entitled to use Chevron defense or does ambiguity require ruling in Mr. Cargill's favor? Last year, a three-judge panel of the Sixth Circuit held the ATF enforces law rather than makes them and that Congress is required to change laws, not the ATF. Additionally, Apashina versus Garland is currently pending at the Supreme Court on the same issue. With last week's SCOTUS decision on the EPA Using Chevron defense, there's definitely a positive outlook that ATF will also not be allowed to change law outside their authority as well, which would be a huge win because I don't even know how this is passing to begin with where ATF is, you know, just changing definitions of laws. So we'll have to stay tuned and see how all of that goes. But again, it is good news that it's even, you know, exactly. Yeah. Franklin Armory. Binary mode is definitely one of my favorite ways to shoot these days. I did put out a video on 4th of July using Franklin Armory's binary AR trigger. Right now, binary trigger for the AK is on sale for only $389, which is $100 off. I'm not sure how long it's going to last. You can choose one for a standard AK or a 9mm AK, so you don't have to shoot 7.62 by 39 if you don't want to. The only catch is they don't work with underfolder AKs or 12-gauge platforms. Operation is just as the others where you get one round on the trigger pull and another on the release, and if you flip it off binary... After the first round, it cancels the second, and you could always shoot semi-auto. Remember, if you guys are going to buy one of these, use the code AVA, that's A-V-A, and that's going to get you 10% off your entire order, and that is franklinarmory.com. 
Q&A. There's no such thing as a stupid question. Just kidding. Visit gunfunny.com forward slash contact to submit yours. Today's Q&A. Did you see the crazy tall scope mount? I thought it was a joke, but someone said it's real. Rhonda, did you have a chance to see this? No. I guess it was on social media. I personally did not see it. My editor did. And he said, essentially, so it's engineers from MDT, Modular Driven Technologies. They're the ones that made it. They called it the Sky High Scope Base, which they say is the world's tallest scope base to prove whether scope height over bore matters for long range shooting. Conventional wisdom has always said that you want the mount as low as possible, but the results of the crazy tall mount prove that as long as you have accurate measurements to put in a ballistic app, the height over bore doesn't really matter. In essence, you could use a mount like this to hit fire and still look through the site and be accurate. If you guys are wondering what that looks like, all you have to do is just click on the link in the show notes and you'll see, but it's pretty interesting. Yes, I I haven't heard about that. Yeah, I haven't either. I think you, I don't know. I mean, there's always like things that float on social media. Sometimes I pick up on it and other times I'm like, wait, where was I living under a rock? (laughs) Oh my gosh. It's so easy to miss stuff when it's so much information being thrown at us all the time. I know. A lot of time because we commentate on so much, people expect us to know. Yeah, I know. Seriously. Well, when I at night, like when I'm laying in bed, I usually read the news on my phone because it usually just like, okay, eventually I fall asleep. But it just helps me to kind of stay up to date with everything. But during the day, I'm like, I don't have time. I mean, I'm barely looking at other people's social media. I don't watch other people's YouTube videos. Like I'm having a hard enough time creating my own content, let alone absorbing other people's content, absorbing like what's going on in the news, all of the latest, you know, fads or the coolest gear that just came out or whatever. Like it's a full-time job and yeah, I have my hands full. (laughs) Definitely a full-time job for sure. Mm Mm-hmm. IWI. If you're looking for a great all-around full-size pistol, check out the Masada. It's one of my favorites in its class. You get a ton of features for the price. It's completely ambidextrous, has one of the most ergonomic grips around. Plus, it's optic-ready and comes with four plate adapters for the most common red dots. Best part of all is it's only $480. That's MSRP, so you know you're going to find it for less expensive at gun stores. You can also get the tactical version, which has a threaded barrel, and it's the same price. So if you want to check out more details about that gun, head on over to IWI.us. If you find any accessories that you like, don't forget to use the code GUNFUNNY15, all one word, and that gets you 15% off. Today's Tacti Talk. Tacti Talk. Discussing popular guns and gear. Love it? Hate it? Find out now. Valiant, and hopefully I'm saying that, Valiant Dynamics Evolve R. Valiant Dynamics from Michigan has developed a new stock for the ARs that's pretty innovative. It's designed specifically to aid shooters in armor, but it looks like it might be an interesting minimalist stock as well. The buttstock replaces a standard buttstock, but has a shorter surface area, but more square. And it's got ridges for extra grip and a spur to grip the shoulder strap of an armor vest 
or other tactical gear to prevent slipping with recoil. One of the other really interesting things is the buttstock is octagonally. That's a word you don't typically use. Octagonally shaped. And you can rotate the butt so the spur fits your gear the most comfortable way possible. You can rotate it easily just by pulling back on the butt and turning it. And then it's spring-loaded so it locks back in place. The Evolve R combat stock also has sling slots on each side and a quick detach sling point. It comes in black, gray, FD, OD green, and foliage green for commercial or mil-spec buffer tubes. I guess... MSRP on these is $89.99, which is, I guess, pretty affordable for a buttstock. But yeah, so anyways, if you guys want to check this out, there is a link in the show notes. But Valiant Dynamics, that's a... I don't think I'm that familiar with that company or anything else that they make. Have you ever heard of them? Uh-uh. All right, Manicore Arms. If you've got an IWI Masada, definitely check out the stainless steel guide rod that they make for it. It replaces the OEM plastic guide rod with an 18-pound flat spring designed to specifically reduce felt recoil. Super easy to install, obviously. Best of all, it's only $26.95, and you can find that at manicorms.com. And if you use the code AVAROX15, all one word, you're going to get 15% off the total. Today's AF segment. Stupid. Funny. Cool. Interesting. Awesome as f- never mind. AF. If you're flying through Denver International anytime soon, you might want to be aware the windows in the new bathrooms aren't one-way glass. What? That's crazy. Okay, so I I mean I don't typically fly to Denver because it's just such a pain. So if I can fly to the springs, I do, but it's usually a lot more expensive. Last week, an airplane pilot shared a PSA on TikTok to let people know. Those new restrooms with the great view, it goes both ways. The pilot, TikTok user, almost Captain Morgan, shot the video from the cockpit as she taxied in her plane by the window saying, this video is a friendly PSA for anyone flying through the Denver airport. If you, like me, thought that the windows in the new renovated bathrooms were one way where you could see out but planes couldn't see in, you would be incorrect. She then panned to the windows where you can clearly see everyone in the restrooms. Her caption on the video was 100% thought this was the coolest thing ever until I got to the plane. Interesting. An airport spokesperson clarified, no, people can't see you in the bathroom. Just the sink areas are visible. Stalls are still private. And there is a film on the lower portion of the window so people on the ground outside can't see in. The restrooms in question open in May as part of the new gates in Concourse C. Okay, so now I need to check these out because that's kind of interesting. But it's good that they're not... I mean, you know, you can only see the sinks, but still kind of an interesting design. I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) I mean, so in their defense, I mean, Colorado's definitely a pretty state and they probably wanted to see the mountains. We'll just leave it at that. Anyways, time to wrap up iTunes review. So Rhonda, I'm going to have you pick either the first or the second review. First review is Durf the Tactical A-Hole. Best podcast out there. Five stars. Love your show. I can listen all the way home as I'm going back to New Jersey from working in your favorite PL New York City at the piers by the cruise ships and the Intrepid. I know exactly. So I'm like spacing out a little bit because I know exactly what you're talking about. In fact, 
so you're right by Chelsea Piers and that's where I used to take golf lessons. And that's where I thought golf balls were just automatically, you know, on the driving range, like every driving range had one of those little devices where the little T goes underneath and picks up a new ball and yeah, it ruined me forever. Just wanted to let you know, it wasn't pinky. You keep me up to date on peaches. <laughs> keep up the good work. I love your show. Second is smaking, smacking M good, funny Mondays, five stars. I listened to gun funny before I even get a cup of coffee. Wow. That's dedication. Listening to someone talk about guns without the tactical gatekeeping is just what I need to ease. Even the worst case of the Monday Mondays. Can you tell I'm like getting out of it and I'm tired? <laughs> I'm like, I can't even read. All right, Rhonda. So either the first or the second. Let's go second. All right. So smacking M contact me and I will send out a prize pack. And if you guys want to find me, just head on over to gunfunny.com. There's links to all of the good stuff there, like social media. If you want to support the show, consider becoming a Patreon. Also wanted to thank the $25 Patreons who are Corbin Bonafide, Iraq Veteran, 8888, Sake Holsters, Justin Paulson, Jason Anderson, Sportsman's Guide, Daniel Treadwell, Keith Calamore, Daniel Lee, Nick Theodosian, and Melissa Ridings. And then King of the Patreon is still Jon Snow. Rhonda, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for what you do for even just women in the gun industry and just women out there. I greatly appreciate it. Can you just remind listeners once again where they can find you on, I guess, the internet, social media, all of that good stuff? Yes, you guys can find me on YouTube, Rhonda Mary, Instagram, Rhonda underscore Mary, and Twitter. I am Rhonda Mary. So it's some version of Rhonda Mary and you will find me out there. And thank you so much for having me. Of course. Of course. All right, guys, I will see you next week and I hope everyone has a great week. Want to send feedback? Tell us about a company or anything else. Go to gunfunny.com forward slash contact.